This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. If you're looking for the voices of strong women with tender hearts who are engaging issues that impact us all, but especially young women, this new series is for you. When COVID started, I paused the podcast and started a monthly membership community for women raising tween and teen girls. Each month we entered into our own stories and our daughter's glory through a relevant topic teen space. I interviewed experts and released them in this private group, and now you get to hear them too. Stay tuned for a lineup of wise thought leaders. I can't wait. Well, Hannah, thanks so much for for joining us in this conversation. Um, It's a hard one. It's a heavy one. And even personally, I feel like I'm still learning because my generation, I think, talked about disordered. We didn't even use the term disordered eating. We talked about eating disorders and I feel like the whole conversation has shifted Mm -hmm. in the last, I don't know, you would know how many years, but it feels really different than when I was my daughter's age. So, so thankful to be addressing it and can't wait to have this conversation. So let's start you sharing a little bit about yourself for all of my moms. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm a registered dietitian and I work at La Luna Center in Fort Collins here. Um, We specialize in working with those who have eating disorders or are struggling with disordered eating. Um, So that's what I do on a weekly basis. I meet one-on-one with um, men, women of all ages and talking through what it looks like to heal that relationship with food and movement and sleep, um, a lot of different lifestyle factors. And I pair that with working with the therapists on my team. Hmm. Well, it was interesting to hear you say men and women, right? Because I think that's even my bias coming into this conversation is an assumption that the majority of who you see would be teenage girls. And so let's that's a great place to start debunking the myths that women like myself might have. So can you explain what is disordered eating? What does it look like? How does it manifest? Just start talking, start teaching us more about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I would say disordered eating, gosh, it can be disguised in so many ways. So I often use the term diet culture, um, meaning anything that you see that's like wellness related, diet related, um, calorie counting related can have such great impact on us. I would say, especially as women, but men as well, um, because physical appearance can have such a great impact on our self-esteem. And um, I think as just being able to see like as believers, we're wanting to challenge that, right? And yet we're still broken human beings. And so we fall into that as well. Um, And so this disordered eating is allowing anything else besides our own internal hunger fullness cues to dictate what we eat throughout the day. Hmm. Um, And so by really boiling that down, we can self-reflect and see, oh, okay, I do have a list of good and bad foods that have some sort of moral value to them. 
Hmm. Um, versus just being food. Some of it is fun that we get to enjoy and it tastes good. Um, and others have a bit more nutrient quality to them. Both are great. Both are really meant to be there in a really restored relationship with food and body. Hmm. Can you, that's fascinating. And you're not the first person. That's part of my journey of learning more as I talked with a a therapist who also deals a lot with disordered eating last spring. And she used the same kind of explanation of good and bad food and the moral quality Mm -hmm. that we assign to those Mm -hmm. foods. And in light of the diet culture, how much of, of the food that we eat, we've deemed bad, evil, and we punish ourselves for eating it. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you explain that a little bit more? Like, how does that really manifest itself um, in ways that we might not even be aware of? Sure. You know, I think January is the perfect time to really talk about that knowing that we just are kind of wrapping up a holiday season where different types of food are naturally around. And so these foods um, might be deemed as like heavy or bad or indulgent, um, meaning it's not okay for me to have them. And January comes and here comes again, diet culture that wants to come in and say, oh, since you made all these bad choices, here's a way to be good again. And here's this diet to help you feel good again. Um, And so it's this struggle, it's this battle, you know, back and forth with that of um, feeling as though some of these foods really put a badge on us. And in order to take some of these badges off, we need to engage in these diets or certain exercise regimens to feel as though we are good again. And it may not be these obvious thought patterns that we're having, but if we are able to honestly and maybe humbly approach that topic to self-reflect and see, okay, I I do believe these to a certain extent, um, Mm -hmm. that there is good and bad foods. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Um, You talked about, so we haven't even touched on what I previously would have thought was an eating, like a a bad way of handling food, which would be the extreme eating Mm -hmm. disorders. Mm -hmm. And I I have a a simple understanding that it's a spectrum. And can you talk a little bit about that spectrum? Because I feel like we've been talking about something here that maybe most of us as women have some sense of wrong thought patterns around Mm -hmm. what we eat. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where we would have a full-blown eating disorder. Am I right with that? And absolutely kind of explain what that spectrum looks like. Yeah. So I would say um, what we've been talking about is sometimes disordered eating patterns that are um, really disguised and normalized, especially in Colorado, since we are a bit more health conscious just as a culture here. Um, However, when it progresses, there is um, a variety of eating disorders that can develop. You know, most of the well-known would be like anorexia, bulimia. Um, Really common though is like is binge eating disorder. And then something else called ARFID, um, where it's not necessarily body image related, but it's more um, like avoidant or restricted intake due to aversions to the food or the smell or the texture um, on a really extreme basis. 
Um, that one is unique is that it's not related to body image concerns. It's more mm-hmm. just a reaction to the food. So, so maybe a kid who like is the, I don't like certain textures. Mm-hmm. It, it develops its full blown aversion to, to entire category of something. Is mm-hmm. that what you're talking about? And then avoids it at all costs? At all costs, right. And it can have, there can be just a really um, significant physical reaction to that mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's not just picky eating. There's um, like all eating disorders, it's a helpful coping mechanism for something else that's going on. Um, it's a maladaptive coping mechanism and it's a coping mechanism. And so it can manifest in that way where there's a sense of, um, control and then their body's strong response to it too um, can and can get confusing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, where their body starts to have a physical reaction to those foods and so on the outside it looks like perhaps there's there's a physical explanation and Mm -hmm. and the inner reasoning doesn't get addressed right correct okay Mm -hmm. so that's but that's rare I'm hearing you say it's more rare. Um, and I, I think it's rare because there's not a lot of research behind it quite yet. Um, I'd be curious if it is a bit more um, prominent. It's maybe deemed as extreme picky eating. Um, so it could be underdiagnosed, but yes, it is more rare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then how is the binge, binge eating different from bulimia? Mm-hmm. Yes. So binge eating would be those times of excessive eating and eating past um, physical fullness cues until there's actually like physical pain mm-hmm. and feeling a sense of being out of control. This eating happens within a pretty discreet, you know, maybe two hour window um, of time. And there's no compensation after um, there's no like self-induced vomiting Um, any diet pills taken, diuretics, or um, like excessive exercise to compensate for that food. So that's what might distinguish it from bulimia. Okay. That makes sense. And so what on this spectrum, what would you say is kind of the, what's the commonality that's going on um, for any of us who find ourselves on any place of that spectrum? Is there a commonality? Sure. You know, I was thinking about this and really just seeing it depends, (laughs) Um, right? You know, everyone's story is so unique, so different. Um, A large majority of risk factors is related to genetics. Um, And then it can also be environmental. So different um, traumatic events can contribute as well. Um, Significant changes in someone's life can trigger some of these thoughts to start. Um, and so that's why a lot of times we might see it develop as, uh, teens enter high school. And that's a pretty shift just socially, environmentally, responsibility wise, while their brain's still trying to develop and catch up with the increase in responsibility that sometimes that can trigger some of these thoughts, social media, um, a lot of it can really contribute, but I would say as a whole, being able to see that it's, I often say it's about the food and it's not about the food. Um, it's about body image and it's really not about body image. Mm-hmm. Um, it's truly a, a maladaptive coping mechanism for a, a greater issue or root cause underneath. Hmm. So when you say that, um, 
makes me think that, that that's the distinction, right? That we all might be influenced by social media and, and we compare ourselves and we might have poor body image, but not all of us develop an eating mm-hmm. disorder or have disordered eating as a result mm-hmm. of that. And so is that what you're saying? It's kind of about body image and yet it's not. There's other things going on for those who develop mm-hmm. a disorder. Absolutely. There could be, um, again, that genetic factor could just predispose someone to their their brain going in that direction and using um, a full-blown eating disorder to help cope. Um, and so there can be predisposition to that. Some of us might have more protective factors um, that help us from not going in that direction, even though we're all exposed to similar things, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So g- genetics, I mean, that's interesting. So we might see kind of a family legacy mm-hmm. of, would you say addiction in general or specifically relationship with food would be, could it be that specific that it's genetic? So we are seeing, yeah, we are seeing that, that it can be specific to relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, the type of eating disorder that might manifest could look different. Um, but a lot of times it looks really similar just because of that um, mother, daughter, or father, son, you know, parent, child dyad can be so influential mm-hmm. um, that it can be both genetic and just relationship environmental too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what our mo- mothers pass down to us, um, whether it's genetic or not, right. Their relationship mm-hmm. with food certainly impacted our view of food. And then now those of us with daughters needing to be cautious of what we're saying and how we're eating in front of them. I know It's been interesting. I don't think I would have noticed or been able to name when I was in my home, my mom's relationship with food. But now, especially when she comes and visits and I hear the things she says, or my girls tell me the things she says, I realize, wow, like she probably was in the middle of that spectrum there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I find myself as a result, having a lot of negative feelings towards certain foods or feeling guilty after I eat them because she lives with guilt. Um, So tell me more about what you see in terms of how we as women hold the story of our mothers and then pass can pass it on to our daughters and not even realize it. Absolutely. Um, I think first and foremost, that there's, there's grace within it too. I, you know, talking about this, there's great impact. Um, The role that we play as mothers with our daughters, um, has great impact. Our words matter, our behaviors matter. They're watching everything we do. Um, And so it does matter. And there's grace, you know, like there's still time. And so just wanting to encourage, if you notice there's patterns coming up, that making changes still has a great impact, whether they're at home or they're at college, just knowing that that can be, you know, there's still time (laughs) is what I'm wanting to say. Um, And so it could be just taking time to reflect on for you, what did family meals look like? Were there family meals? Um, did mom cook and participate in eating that meal with you all? Um, was there a separate meal for made for you as kids and then something separate made for mom? 
maybe that's happening right now. And I'm just bringing up some different um, behaviors that can happen, even if it's not discussed, but those behaviors will be noticed and have been noticed. Um, and so just reflecting back on maybe what that looked back looked like for you growing up could be helpful mm -hmm. to recognize. Um, were there certain times of year where you notice, oh, mom does this, it's January, since foods change in the house, we know that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, certain foods aren't allowed in the house because mom talks about them in a certain way mm -hmm. or dad talks about them in a certain way. Um, and so from the, from the point that you're able to recognize that, you may have memory. So I just encourage some self-reflection in that way to really start noticing where there are good and bad foods talked about where bodies talked about in relationship to food outside of just function. And when I, when I mean, what I mean by function is this helps give me energy or, you know what, this helps me focus and read. And so I'm going to do this, or, um, this food is fun and I enjoy baking with you. And this is, you know, so more function based, um, versus physical appearance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's from the point that children are older, but even before that, we're modeling for our kids from the point that they're starting to eat food, how to eat food. And so they're watching us to figure out how do you use a spoon? How do I get food from the plate to my mouth? And so just knowing from that point too, that they're watching. And so that has impacted our relationship with food as well. Um, and we may not have memories of that, but that still can impact us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I find I have my girls, I have three kids, two, the girls are still at home and they are 17 and 14. Okay. And so like we are beyond now what they're them just watching. Now they are full on mimicking mm -hmm. and I'm so self-conscious about all of this. Mm -hmm. And I find myself not knowing how to lose, I want to lose weight. How do I do that in a way that doesn't freak them out? So mm -hmm. for example, my 14 year old loves to bake and she wanted to make cookies the other night. And I just assumed she had a late night craving and wanted one herself. She didn't eat any of them. She wanted to make them for us, my husband and I, because she thought we would love them and we do. So it was this sweet, I bake out of joy for others well, my husband and I want to try and eat less sugar and like we would love to lose weight. So in that moment, I'm just stuck. I'm torn with, do I eat the cookie? Because sweet girl made it for me. Yeah. How do I tell her we're trying to eat better? Even though you saw us eat cookies like all the time last month, we're really trying to shift, right? Like I find mm -hmm. myself in those moments not wanting to form any kind of distorted view of cookies. Yeah. As I like what you say, like, I like what you said, there's not good and bad food and it's all God given and for us to delight in, but how do we, I think you hear my question in that. So I'd love mm -hmm. to hear your thoughts because I think a lot of women are, are feeling that um, mm -hmm. as they become more aware of, of food in their teen girls. I think a lot of us feel that tension. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It can be so hard, right? Um, and 
something that I continually encourage is just this idea of rather than focusing on what can't I have or what shouldn't I have, a lot of those judgments coming in. If you notice a lot of those like should thoughts, like I shouldn't have this, I should have this. Mm-hmm. That's that's externalizing for us again, right? Our hunger fullness cues are incredible. Our body is just so intelligently made. I love it. It's just so incredible to see. And so those hunger fullness cues um, are just intuitively made. That line of communication can be off for a lot of us um, because yeah. of these certain rules that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I may I may just pose for everyone, just asking why why do I want to lose weight? Um, for us as moms across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Just asking the why behind it, um, and perhaps there could be certain like health directed components to it. You know, I, I talk about that number on the scale is just a, a piece of our overall health. And if we can put that back in its correct position, rather than on this pedestal that again, diet culture wants us to focus on, it's very oversimplified when we look at our health. Mm. So anyway, coming back, you know, looking at that, having that in mind, really wanting to encourage what could I add to my daily intake, to my regular diet, what could I add in to um, nourish my body versus what shouldn't I have? Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps it is still saying, thank you so much for the cookie. Of course I'll have one. Um, Maybe, maybe you're enjoying, I would just encourage like that one cookie is not going to make the difference to your physical appearance that maybe we want to think. Um, and that if that could be an isolated incident, um, maybe those cookies are around, but because you have permission to have them at any time of the year, they're not going to be calling quite as often mm-hmm. to us because we know that that door is open where sometimes if there's a lot of pressure, um, or a feeling of deprivation of like, I shouldn't have these. No, 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 no. That when we say yes, we're like, but if I have one cookie, I'm going to want all the cookies. Mm-hmm. That sometimes can be a common thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I fear, I fear that, that I don't have enough self-control. So once I open the door, it's over again for six months. Like mm-hmm. I find myself thinking that. Sure. Absolutely. So I just want to normalize so many of these thoughts. It's, it's a simple scenario yet such a complex question Mm -hmm. you know one thing I would I just encourage all of us is to reflect on like why do I want to lose this weight is it physical appearance related then I'd really want to encourage just pressing into that um, around where are our values where is our identity found Um, and how do I want what I'm doing to reflect upon my daughter do I want my daughter to have these same thoughts about her body and that can, all the, all, sometimes that question alone can bring us to tears of like, of course not. I don't want her to have these thoughts or judgments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why am I the exception? So it's just kind of some of that like mm-hmm. reflection work that could be helpful in giving you the answer to that cookie question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so individualized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be a good way to enter into this conversation with our teen girls. Mm-hmm. I think if, if we're struggling as moms, I think this, and, and we have girls that we think are mature enough to have that conversation. 
This would be such a beautiful conversation to and, and way to walk through this together, especially if mom has some places to heal from. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on how to enter in to that conversation? Yeah. You know, there's there's a book I'll bring up for that I would really encourage um, everyone to read. It's called Mothers, Daughters, and Body Image. And it's by Dr. Hillary McBride. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shorter read. She just talks about the research that she's done on the mother-daughter dyad and that specifically around body image and food. Um, and just talks about interviews she's had with both mothers and daughters. Um, she actually... So um, she focuses on those who actually have a positive relationship with their body and Mm -hmm. how their relationship with their mom maybe influenced that. One thing I noticed was um, just the honesty. So if mom mom did struggle um, or is struggling around that and just confused that it's brought up and that it is talked about of like, hey, um, you know, I've noticed that I want to start working on this. Um, and I'm just curious if you notice that on social media or with your friends or, you know, could be a great way to open up the door to say, like, I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, the exception to this. I notice I'm also impacted and I'm wanting to change it and realize that our bodies are made wonderfully and beautifully and wanting to create a space for us to be able to talk about it. And I just wonder by, having a little bit of self-disclosure, it doesn't have to be everything, but a little bit of that self-disclosure can just create a safe space in some ways, way easier said than done. But I just would wonder um, how that might open, open the door for some good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more can be, you know, I'm, I'm a mom to two young kids, so I'm just starting this journey, but the idea of a lot more can be caught than taught. Mm-hmm. Um, is also something that can be helpful too. It's just your shift in um, language around food and um, what meals look like together can make a great difference as well. Mm -hmm. Anna, what this might seem totally off, but for me, it just, I keep thinking about it, the connection to exercise. And you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. um, that that's a compensation oftentimes for for feeling guilty or overeating extreme exercise that feels like it fits into the category of all of these crazy different diet fads that they go hand in hand. Um, Again, it gets at that. How do we be healthy and not model kind of this punishing Mm -hmm. or pay like trying to alter the scales constantly with exercise and food. Am I right that they're connected? I'm sure that's a big part of your conversations with clients. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yes. So a lot of times um, in working with clients, they think, well, Hannah doesn't want me to exercise. She doesn't want me to eat healthy. She keeps challenging all this. That's not true. I still think that there's, um, you know, great nutrition found in foods as well. And so similar with, with movement and exercise, um, I just encourage to reframe it a little bit. Um, and view it from the lens of joyful movement. Our bodies are designed to move and it feels good to move. It releases endorphins. It does feel good. Um, But just wanting to encourage this idea of what would be joyful movement that I'd really have fun doing. For some, it's doing the, um, 
dance dance revolution with their kids because they can just laugh. And by the end, they notice like I'm actually kind of sweating and like moving my body and we're just laughing. That combination biologically has incredible benefits to our like physiology, to our just the reaction of that movement versus I hate going on the treadmill, but I have to because I ate this, this, and this may not, again, may not be that conscious thought, but that feeling is there. Mm -hmm. And when that joy has been removed, the way our bodies even respond to that movement is so different. Um, And so I just would really encourage to be creative and see what would be something that would be fun to learn how to do. Is it dancing? Is it pickleball? Is it a different sport? Is it, Mm -hmm. maybe I do love walking with friends, you know, and that's something that you could try and um, encourage more often. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe are you a, saying, sorry, Hannah. Okay, go ahead. Biologically, our bodies actually transform when there's joy in what we're doing more than when there's not. Like mm-hmm. that, that actually is a thing. Mm-hmm. That That's crazy. Yes, because there's a certain amount. Um, because that means that you're truly enjoying what you're doing. It's not an added stress to our bodies um, because our bodies remember, it can be um, cumulative over time where our bodies remember different stressors. And if physical activity is actually a negative stressor more often because you're just not enjoying it, it feels more taxing. It can be a negative stress on your body, Mm. which is telling your nervous system, like, we don't like this, this is stressful. Mm-hmm. versus I'm laughing and we're connecting with each other as a family or friends over this activity. And I didn't even notice we went and did this hike because we're just laughing and having fun while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. absolutely. Fascinating. So those of us who hate the gym in a way. Full <laughs> permission to not go. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I'm not against gyms, but I'm also not encouraging of them because it can feel that way. Mm. And there's so many other uh, ways that we can be active and find joyful movement Mm -hmm. um, on a daily basis. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So before we conclude, Hannah, I just want to talk a little bit about, so I think this is, this covers the bulk of us. I really think so many of us as women and probably Unfortunately, many of our teen girls are already somewhere in that not thinking rightly about food. But for those who might be on more of the eating disordered side Mm -hmm. of the spectrum, either our own daughters or their friends, Mm -hmm. um, can you talk just briefly about some warning signs of, of when we're starting to get into, we need to professionally address this um, both for, for our daughters to notice at, at school with their peers and for us as moms to notice perhaps with our own girls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I would, I would encourage if there's, if you're noticing a consistent pattern of trying to um, again, miss out on family meals or wanting to adjust the way that those meals are structured and you're noticing that that's becoming a bit more restrictive or if uh, certain food categories really are missing on a daily basis Um, that would be something that I'd want to ask about. Um, If you're noticing, yeah, a hyper-focus again on certain types of food in the kitchen or just total avoidance. Um, 
if you're noticing, you know, again, there's that balance of privacy, yet being aware of what's in their room. And if there are certain foods or food wrappers in their room that you're noticing or times where they're truly isolating in their rooms with the door closed, um, I would just inquire and maybe push into that a little bit more um, mm -hmm. because it can be so secretive. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, if you, if you notice entering into conversation about it, um, truly from a place of concern of like, I just notice a lot of anxiety. There is a lot going on, fill in the blank. You guys all know. Um, and just seeing like, how are you doing? If prickles come out more so than typical, um, that might be another key indicator. If, if there's a lot of pushback, I call it the prickles, um, more than your, your average maybe um, reaction to certain topics. Yeah. I would want to encourage about that. Mm -hmm. um, any shift in behavior pretty dramatically around the need to exercise. It can come from a, like, I just want to be healthy standpoint. Um, I just, yeah, I would, on any of those indicators, just wanting to pick up on that mm. as well and just engage in conversation. Um, yeah, it truly could be from a good standpoint, but it's always good to to be engaged in those topics. Mm -hmm. With that, with that, I think about, you know, it might start with that, but then if there's an agitation of, I didn't get to do the yes. run or I didn't get to do the weights, that mm -hmm. would be like that level of agitation around that seems mm -hmm. concerning more than just want to be healthy and start doing this. Yeah. But Hey, as a family, we've got to run here today. So you may not be able to get that workout in and if it's a pretty big change in their emotional response mm -hmm. like you're saying absolutely that would be a trigger just to ask yeah. more about it I love that word prickly that that's <laughs> that is really the sign right that okay something's up mm -hmm. this, this prickliness is not characteristic of my daughter so yeah. time to talk more so a lot of my a lot of the women in this community don't live in Colorado um, and if they're anything like me, this, this would be a new thing to, to really look into La Luna and your role. Like this is the kind of, you're, you're the kind of person they would seek out. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, not like a registered dietitian, nutritionist, but you also have therapists that specialize in this. Like t tell me a little bit more about the kind of place a mom should look for if she's yes. wanting to get help. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So um, I would say or hope that most any provider, including registered dietitians, so if you, um, if, if moms do have questions and say, you know what, we do need help, I would be happy to give referrals if I do know I have a few ideas out of state. Um, if it does match up to where they are, I'm happy to connect them. Um, but being able to see that a multidisciplinary team is so important in any level of treatment for an eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, so that would be a counselor paired with a dietitian, paired with a medical provider who is educated in eating disorders, um, paired with a psycho or psychiatrist if that is needed. Mm -hmm. um, and so just seeing that that, that multidisciplinary team is just so crucial. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really, really needed to focus on all areas. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that would be what I would encourage. Oftentimes you can 
um, you know, Google eating disorder treatment centers and you'll notice um, residential treatment centers coming up that are nearby. Mm -hmm. They oftentimes have great resources Mm -hmm. for outpatient care. And so um, most places allow for a free consultation of either the actual client or a family member to just answer questions and assess what might be most appropriate. So know that that's always available to you to just ask questions and inquire. Right. And to not be afraid that that might feel too extreme um, to be going into a residential facility when you're just a little concerned. Right. But I think you would probably advise it's better to get on it and get on it fast. Mm Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just how wonderful it is to be able to call and ask questions with no strings attached. So it could be just calling to talk to someone about the concerns that you have. And they may, they may say, you know what, here's a great outpatient provider. It sounds like this is, would be the best fit. And they're able to provide those resources to locally. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. I think this is going to be so helpful and I'll put in the, the notes for your information um, and La Luna and the book that you re- recommended by Dr. Hillary McBride. I've heard of that book. Okay. Yes. That. Any other resources or um, things that you would point women to? I would encourage, um, you know, again, just that self-reflection of when I am looking at my own social media, is it more like health or diet oriented could there be something along the lines of shifting what we're exposed to? You know, social media doesn't have to be all, all bad, right? So we can just be able to curate like an environment that we're pretty constantly exposed to that is more um, positive body image oriented or something that's called health at every size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or just non-diet oriented, still very much encouraging um, connection with our bodies and overall health, but not necessarily the good and bad foods, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. that again, can be just one of those um, stepping stones towards, towards something that could be more extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for giving us your time today and your expertise. I really appreciate it. And yeah, this is a topic that I think is probably ongoing for many of us, but thank you for giving us a great place to start. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening today. If you're curious about something you heard, check the show notes for links to learn more. And perhaps you'd like to check out one of the Fierce and Lovely mini courses for a deep dive into a particular parenting topic. That link is in the notes too. Fierce and Lovely is a proud partner of the Restore Universe, where like-minded practitioners and programs are all infused with the Restory approach. Curious? Check us out at RestoryUniverse.com.